0: Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So today we're going to talk about Jonah and a little bit about truth. Jonah's name actually means... Is the word Jonah is the son of Truth? That's his name, the son of Truth. His name actually comes from, and you'll find him also in Second Kings. I'm not going there today, but you can go back and read in Second Kings. Jonah is there in Second Kings because again, your Bible is not in chronological order. It is overlapped. It's like a it's like a building that's stacked. Okay, you have multiple stories within this. It's not in A B C D. It's more like a blender. (laughs) Of letters, okay? It's just all jumbled up. And so Jonah's name means son of truth. His dad's name is Amatai, as best I can pronounce that. Amatai. It just simply means that it means truthful. It means faithful. It means steadfast. Now, if I were to break down some top and shadows for you, I could show you how Jonah was a top and shadow of Jesus and how he was the son of God and he came to this earth to proclaim the truth. And who is his father? None other than God Almighty, who is what? Faithful, steadfast, and truthful and I could show you all this stuff and give you the images and all this different thing How Jonah was swallowed by the well three days three nights in the belly of fish So the son of the man be three days three nights in the belly of the earth I can show you all the types and shadows of Jesus and how that he came to set right the thing that Jonah didn't want to give to everybody But instead of doing just all that I want to share with you a little bit about truth and when I think about the word truth I think about a number of things If I were to ask you what is truth you would think well truth is Maybe being honorable Maybe it's being straightforward with people. You know, some people are real good at truth, but they ain't got any love. You know, like, they just tell you, hey, yo, man, you got something in your teeth. You need to get that out. Other people are like, they're so sweet. They're like, 40 minutes later, like, hey, I didn't. I hated to tell you. But, you know, when the boss was coming by or, you know, when you had that important meeting, you had something in your teeth and I meant to tell you I didn't want to offend you. Like, well, dude, you know, and I'm embarrassed I have this in my mouth. Why are you to you tell me? Some people are so sweet and kind, they can't tell the truth, right? They don't know how. But the other people are so harsh, it's like killing people. So truth though, is being willing to share, irregardless of why, facts and truth about a situation. Whether we like it or don't like it. Whether I I don't get to pick what's I like and don't like in the Bible. If I'm gonna be a Christian, I gotta follow the truth of God's word. I can't pick and choose what I want. Amen. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? You can't pick and choose. If you're watching online right now, you go to your Hope site this week, you meet online or whatever you do, you can talk about this. You cannot pick out what you like from this and say, I will accept this, 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 and this, but I don't agree with that. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. I didn't write it. It's God's word to us. It is his truth. Now think about this. What did Jesus say in John 14? Jesus said this. He said, To them, I am the way and the, watch this, the. Now, if he's saying that to you, that means everything that Jesus says is true. Now, we believe that about Jesus, but we question some of the older testament books of the Bible. But Jesus came to fulfill not only the old, but to set up the new. He's the truth of God's word, incarnate, if you will. But he said, no one comes to the Father, but through me. So when people say things like this, well, there's, there's, you know, I, I just believe that, that a loving God could never send someone to hell. Well, your belief is disqualified because your belief is not greater than God's truth, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not what? Amen. Come on, say it like you mean it. But shall have everlasting That's the truth. My belief about that truth is irrelevant. My belief says, well, I disagree with that. Because what about that? It doesn't matter what I think or what I feel. It's his truth is what matters. And that is why we have such a difficult time digesting words from God. We don't want to read it because we're afraid it's going to convict us with something we need to adjust in our lives. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth not just going to tell you what the truth is i'm going to show you the way and i'm going to give you the life that will help you along that way he's the truth the way and the life that's what he says now what he says is in john 8 and verse 31 jesus was saying to the jews who had believed in him now watch this before we go further he's talking to people who have believed in him he is not talking to unbelievers so let's just put ourselves in this little box for a moment Would Jesus say the same things to us? So Jesus was saying to those Christians who lived in Rome, Georgia, who believed in him, could we say that? Do you think we could? I'm curious. Come on. Do you think we could? I think we could. I don't think it does any disjustice to the text at all. He says, if, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mind. And you will know the, and it will set you, if you continue, not optional. Well, I just, you know, I don't really agree with that. It doesn't matter. My beliefs, my opinions, my interpretation of that is irrelevant to the context of what he is saying, which is, if you continue, Christians in Rome, Georgia, those of you watching online, wherever you might be, I love you in Jesus name, but it is a false belief to think that you are a disciple of Christ if you never eat anything from the King's table. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. This would be my one amen corner for the day. That's all right. I love every one of y'all. I love you watching at home too, but that is the truth. I cannot claim to be a disciple of Christ if I do not know his word. And it is not true that Hosea, we learned this from Hosea, that it is not true. That my people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. I don't know why. I don't understand. I just don't understand. What, do you know what God's word says about this? Well, I don't know about that because, you know, my uncle, great-granddaddy, father, mama, step-whatever told me that that wasn't really true because somebody said... what. And you built your life upon the belief of something that was based upon a human being that doesn't even serve God. And Jesus said, if you want to know the truth... It'll make you free. But if you want to know the truth, you've got to be my disciple. My disciples, they know my word. That's the truth. And so Jonah steps into this now. Well, what does that have to do with Jonah? Because Jonah was given a truth to proclaim. And he had a different opinion about that truth, just like many of us do today. He didn't like what he was being told. So Jonah chapter 1, let's read a couple of verses of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry. The word cry. it's Just remember that. We'll come back to in a minute. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, this is very common in the Old Testament. You see this. Sodom and Gomorrah, it happened there. Tyre, Sidon, even Capernaum, Jesus called out. Because he even said about Capernaum, had Tyre, Sidon, Sodom and Gomorrah seen the miracles that you've seen, they would have repented long ago because he did this great work in Capernaum. We'll talk about that when we get to the Gospels, but here's what it is. He said, this wickedness has come up before me. So a lot of times people wonder, why why does God, if God is so just and he's against so many things, why does he allow things to happen? It's funny how this is used very often. He said in one place, he said, I will go down to see if it is as bad as what it seems. Sometimes, you know, you have to investigate things to see if it's as difficult or as bad as what you really think it is. God is so merciful that he doesn't just take the word of his angels, even though they're honorable. You know, he, he did get a bad deal of, out of a few of them. You remember that, right? He probably has to make some trustees use of some angels. I don't know, but like they're saying it's really bad. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Maybe I should go down and check it out myself, right? He goes down and looks and his mercy gives many times for people to turn. God is not this just up in heaven trying to, to like just, you know, come down with the lightning bolts every time. He's a merciful God. But it says this, that came up before the Lord, so he went down to, so this is talking about Jonah, this wickedness came up before me, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now I can tell you why, as Christians, we don't like getting into God's word much. Because the more you get in his word, the more you sense his presence. And if there's anything that he wants to change, this is one thing I know. If I got attitudes, issues, anger, whatever, resentment, rebellion, you name it, whatever you want to put on your list, it don't matter what it is. As soon as you start cracking up the Bible, you start thinking, oh man, I'm going to just read this text. All of a sudden you're like, man, why is this in here? And you read something and you're like, oh man, all of a sudden God starts calling you like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. So don't, don't pick on Jonah. We all do the same thing. Jonah. He's running from the presence of God. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarsus, paid the fare and went down to go with him to Tarsus from the presence of God. And Nineveh, just a brief thing about Nineveh. Because we think in these biblical cities, we think they're just some podunk village on the backside of somewhere that doesn't mean anything. Nineveh was crazy big. I mean, crazy big. This thing was a fortress, massive fortress. About 120,000, we'll see later, that lived there during that time, which God's talking to Jonah. But Nineveh, believe it or not, this thing was walled. And the wall was 30 miles one way, 10 miles the other. Now, I don't know if that... computed real quick. But not only was it a wall, it was 100 feet tall on average. Now, if you want to take this building on average, this is maybe, let's call it 20-foot ceiling. Okay, I don't think it's, I think it's lower than that. But let's say it's 20 foot at the top of the building. Pancake on there, five of these buildings high. And that's how tall the walls were. They were so wide, you could put four chariots on top of them, side by side. (laughs) NASCAR. (laughs) They just, that's where it started. Four wide, chair racing on top of the walls, man. they just rocking it out, baby. But it was massive. Ten miles one direction and 30 the other. The thing was massive. It was one of the most amazing architectural uh, feats and designs, if you will, in the, in the modern world. They, they said at one time it was the largest city of the world. It was New York City. Now, when I put that into perspective you, you can understand, you think, well, they were ancient people. They weren't smart. Give me a break. They could do anything we could do now and probably better. Cause they actually thought through some stuff before they just built it anyway. So, <clears throat> it was a very, very big city and today it would be in modern day Iraq. It'd be northern Iraq. So I just want to share that with you. It was the largest city of the Assyrian Empire. And again, the largest city in the world for several decades. Nineveh was not Israel. It was outside of the covenant. They were actually enemies of Israel. And so you can imagine, here's Jonah. We're trying to protect Israel from the enemies. I'm not going to go tell those guys to repent. I'm not going to help those guys out. I want to see you. Matter of fact, God, it'd be a good day. Let's do a meteor shower right now. Take them out. We don't want... Those are enemies. Why would you tell me to go preach for them? So when God tells him this in Isaiah 58, this is the word cry. I'll put it on the screen for you. This is what God says. Cry loudly. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. A lot of times people get all worked up about this whole sin thing. Like, I don't think we should talk about sin. Well, again, your beliefs really don't matter. I mean, we get so weirded out about it. Oh, I don't like talking about sin because I'll have a sin consciousness. Give me a break. You just don't want to deal with your junk. That's all it is. Every time I hear that, I say, no, you got junk in the closet. You don't want anybody to open it up and see your skeletons. (laughs) That's all it is. Because I go to places and my pastors and my overseers and people that love me and care about me, you know what they do? They ask me about stuff in the closet. What's under the ban? Hey, man, how's it going with your marriage? How's your family? What's going on, Jody? They don't let me get by and say, well, I just don't want to talk about, you know, my feelings because I don't believe in sin consciousness. I believe in a righteousness conscience, and I shouldn't dare talk about anything that might be wrong with me. God forbid. They don't play that. They call you out on it like well, we're going to talk about it today. How about that? So let's talk about it. That is a wrong belief to think that every time you even talk about a sin, it's somehow going to make you feel more sin. I don't feel more sin conscious. I say, God, help me because I don't want to be that way. Change me. Period. God said cry aloud, but watch this what Jonah did. This is crazy. It seems like gonna uh, Jonah's going to move forward with God's plan after the whale spits him up. But watch what Jonah does. He gets this revelation in Jonah 2, verse 9. He says, okay, Lord, after you get spit up out of the well, I guess you would too. I mean, that would definitely change. Let's just think about it for a moment. You just got swallowed by a well. And for three days, you've been in the belly of nasty. Like, just, that's gross enough. I'm going. But he spits you up after three days. I bet you would have a change of heart. (laughs) Like, I was, you know what? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Not a problem. So Jonah says... I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed to pay, I will pay because salvation is from the Lord. And so Jonah was saying basically if salvation is from God, then who am I to determine who is worthy of getting it and who is not? We are not the ones that determine who gets to receive salvation. We are just the proclamation voices of the ones that preach and share the gospel. It is up to people who choose. And I'm telling you, there are going to be people that come to Christ, that you're going to look at and you're going to say, well, I just don't agree with that because I know who they are. It doesn't, okay, wait a minute. Isn't that what the message is for? Isn't it for us? I'm so glad that people don't look at me and say, well, you know, I don't know about you. If you get to come to Christ because you got a lot of issues, I'm so glad that people didn't do that. That they love me enough to let me come in anyway and sit with them in church. Knowing I had all kinds of issues. Thank God for that. Jonah, though, you'd think he had learned his lesson, but it says this in Jonah chapter three and verse four. So he begins to go through the city one day's walk, and he did cry out, and he said, 40 days, and then if it will be overthrown, then, watch this, one day's, how many, 30 miles, how many days is it going to take you to get around that place? One day isn't going to barely make me through the front gate, I'm going to tell you, like, 30 miles, I'm not a hiker, biker, jogger, walker, whatever you all, you know what I'm saying, I don't I do not do anything, I work on a farm kind of thing, Okay. Walking, I get bored. Running, I'll be like, why am I running? You know, unless a bear's chasing me, I don't need to run. I don't feel like the need is necessary. And I know some of y'all run. That's great. I love you for it. It's cool. You inspire me. I'm like, hey, go. Cheer you on. You rock, baby. You want to run? No, man, I'm not running with you. But one day, it's not going to get you through that town. I think Jonah found him a Starbucks, got him a cup of coffee. Say, yo, 40 days, y'all going to burn. And the word, because the word travels up. Jonah, by the way, was a statesman. He was not like a country board preacher, like we were talking about some of these other guys in here. He was a statesman. Where do statesmen go? People that have high political affiliations, where do they tip? Do they stop by the Starbucks in the corner of, you know, the gate of the town? Or do they go to the palace of the king? Listen to what the text says next. It says, So Jonah, the people of Nineveh, believed in God. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he also arose and repented and put on sackcloth and ashes as well. That's just a sign of repentance. He never even went to those with the greatest authority that he had probably some sort of contact with and could have ministered to to work the message down. He went to the bomb just hang out somewhere. Hey, man, you know, y'all going to burn. 40 days, y'all going down. I'm doing what God said. I don't to say, but y'all going to burn. Isn't it funny how you can do what the Lord asks you to do, but you can do it in a way that is, let's just say, maybe not in the most um, loving manner. Okay, God, I'll do it. It's like kicking and screaming, you know? It's like my little, little when you ask her to pick up the toys, or whatever, and she's she's pretty good about it now, but like, you know, oh, do I have to? Yes, you have to pick up your toys because we have almost tripped and broken ankles with all these things. So yes, we have to pick up the toys. But dad, it's so much. I mean, it's just dramatic. And finally, after like 30, 40 minutes, five minutes could have been done. All of a sudden, she picks it up and it's clean up and it's over. But sometimes I think we follow God with a little bit of drama when he's asked us just simply to do what he's asking us to do. And so when Gen- uh, when, when, when Nineveh repents, it's bothersome to Jonah. Jonah is totally bothered by it. really gets under his skin. And he says this uh, in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2. Watch this. He says, he prays to the Lord and says, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while well, I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall, which means to hurry up. Means to hurry up. This I fled to Tarshish. In other words, in order for this to just happen. Meteor shower, asteroids, I don't know, Whatever lightning. In order to make this happen quicker, I left where you told me to go because I was glad to see my enemies destroyed. He says, but this is why I did it. Because I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. And one who relents concerning calamity. And I'm telling you, when people talk about God as like things like, man, why did this happen? Why was that issue? Why did this thing happen? Why did this bad thing happen? I guess God was. Sometimes you've got to back that up a little bit. Because based on what God says, even Jonah realized, and Jonah was trying to get it to happen, tornadoes, floods, lightning, hurricane, whatever he can bring to Nineveh, he's like all for it. But he was saying, I know you're a God that is slow to anger. You're compassionate. And I knew this would happen. I knew if I preached to them about repentance and they turned, you would forgive them, God. I knew you would. Because you are slow to these things and you relent concerning calamity. So what does Jonah do? Makes him a little shelter. Kicks back. Waits for the latter part of 40 days, hoping that it's going to just be destroyed. That's what he's hoping for. So, what does that have to do with truth, Pastor Jody? Funny thing is about Jonah, and that's this Jonah chapter 4 and verse 9. He's mad about the whale. He's mad because he's sitting under this little shelter and a plant grows up over him. And Jonah said before, you can read it later. And he's liking the plant, but then he's upset because the plant dies. A worm comes along eats some stuff. Then this hot wind blows through. He's just all over the map upset. He's just mad about stuff. Frustrated. Probably like maybe somebody, you might know somebody like that, I don't know. But probably not any of us, but you know, those other people. So God says to Jonah, watch this, so cool. Do you have a good reason to be angry about this plant? And he said, I got a good reason to be angry, even to death, over a stinking plant, man. You know, come on, you get those at Lowe's all day long, take it back for a thousand a year. Jonah's mad over a plant. And God says, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right hand or their left hand? They weren't from America. The Lord knows we know the difference between right and left here. We fight about it all the time. But anyway, as well as many, I wonder what would happen if your side came to Christ that you didn't like. Would we be really like, or would we be like, no, man, I would be like, they should have fried them all. Like, I mean, how would, really? I mean, let's just be really honest right now. We'll just move on. Psalm 36 says, The Lord is righteous like the mountains of God. He said, Your judgments are great, o deep, deep, O Lord, and you preserve both man and beast. Man, we get so worked over everything. And like I said last month last week, we're so big on all these causes, which is fine. But man, it's exhausting. God is a God who cares and loves for all, but here's what he will not budge on He is not going to accept a compromising civilization. He will not, listen, do you want a compromising preacher? No. No. Well, why would he accept a compromising congregation? Why would he accept a compromising city or nation or country? He won't. He is not one that will compromise. He says, here's my word. I will give you everything. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's the condition, Lord? That you repent. That you turn from your ways. You deny yourself. You pick up your cross. And watch this. You follow me. Even if you're right. And Jonah is a sign. Jesus said this. I'm not going to read all this. You can read this in Matthew chapter 12. But Jonah is a sign. Jesus said a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Give me a sign. Show me something to prove that God's real. Jesus said the only sign you're going to get is Jonah. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Jonah was spat up on the sea. Jesus was resurrected. He tells them, because they believed so much in Jonah, but they would not believe in Jesus. And today we have a culture that says, well, we love Jesus because he's sweet and kind and everything else, but we just like to pick and choose what we like about him. He's cool because he wears the sandals. He looks like a hippie. We like him. He's cool. He seems like the guy you want to hang out with. I've actually heard Christian say this. He's the kind of guy you probably get a beer with. You know, I just don't know about that. Maybe a glass of wine. Yeah. But I don't even know that If we, in our culture we even understand what that means. We think it's just... I don't think Jesus is going to hang out with you eating peanuts and a beer at a bar. I don't, I'm sorry. I, don't, I just don't see that happening. I think if you were to have a conversation with Jesus, it would be more like... Just... Oh, and then you're going to say, oh, my God. He's like, yes. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. Um, <gasps> he would freak you out. But our culture is today so flippant with, oh, Jesus. Yes. What if you answered? Oh, my God. Oh, uh-huh. Yes. But our culture says, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just, blah, blah, blah. It's just you know, it's a just, it's just part of the LL texting and all that no no it's not it's like don't take my name in vain see you don't compromise no we have compromised so much so that our culture says jesus is just another word we use but in my bible what i read is there is no other name than that which should be saved the name of jesus that every demon trembles at his name but he's probably not going to tremble when we say it so much like oh jesus right yeah. but see we don't like to hear that because i don't like that but i don't get to pick and choose what I like. It's his word that I build my life upon. Not the culture of. I'm going to even say it this way. The culture of Christianity. So Jonah. And truth. Jesus is talking about this. Jonah is talking about this. He didn't want to preach this. He doesn't want to say this. But listen to me. You don't hide the truth. You proclaim the truth you live the truth and you be bold about the truth you don't be mean rude arrogant or unlikable but if people ask you why do you believe paul said this for i am not everybody said together ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ I am not ashamed. I'm so proud. You know, and I know, listen, people get mad at him here, and they don't like this, and they think, whatever, whatever. But I'm so glad when I see Christians who actually do it in, like, sports and events and other things, and they actually stand, and don't just say it, but they mean it. They don't mind saying this. I remember, and I'm not even, you know, now that he's not playing for them, I'm not going to say the name he played for, but there's a guy named Tua, togo I can't remember his name, very good. But when he played for that team I don't like <clears throat> in college, he got out to a professional team, but that night I was listening after that team I don't like beat the team that I do like, had to listen to this kid talk, and I was really want to be mad at him until he said this. First of all, I want to say this, and I know my mom and dad don't want me to, but first I want to say this. I got to give praise, first of all, to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know why he had to preface that? Because a young man knows what kind of heat he's going to get because he saw it happen with other friends. But he's not ashamed of the gospel. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna close out with this last thought. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, this is what the the Lord says through Paul. He says, For where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? Come on, listen, this is a word for our time right now. If you ever paid attention to a verse of the Bible, listen to this one right now. He says, For Has God not made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, the Jews ask for signs; the Greeks search for wisdom. In their culture, that was was very prominent. The Jews did want signs; the Greeks looked for wisdom. Okay, in our culture, you could say they a little bit of both. Okay, but we preach Christ crucified. To Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. What he means by that is th- th- there is no sign but that of Jonah. It's a stumbling block. What? I, I don't, show me a sign that this is really true. Give me wisdom, the Greek said. So it's a stumbling block for one and it's foolishness to the others. But watch this. But to those who are called, Jonah, Jonah. You know, you hear it. Like, for those of us who are called, he says both Jews and Greeks, watch this. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'm going to say something to all of us in this room right now today. Don't you hear me very carefully? I get it sometimes when you serve God, it doesn't seem like it works out for you. I understand what that's like. I understand that many times you will sow and expect to reap because the Bible tells you so, but it seems like stuff's just not happening like you thought it would. I understand that you pray and ask God to intervene, but it seems like he doesn't intervene. I understand what it means when you ask for wisdom and it seems like you're not getting any answers. I understand. We've all been there. And when you serve God for some time in a season like that, it gets a little long because you're serving God and you're trying to follow God the best you can and it just doesn't seem like it's working for you. Listen to me. You have to be faithful to what God called you into. If he tells you to tell his message to a buddy, then do it. Stumble over your words if you must, but do it. If he tells you to be faithful and serve and give and do whatever it is you're doing that you feel like, man, maybe where's God in all this, Stay steadfast. Why? Because the Bible says this about Jonah and about others, whether it's us or anyone else. You will reap in due season. And this is crazy. This verse actually says this. It says that don't get weary in well-doing. What does that tell you then? Following God sometimes gets tiresome. Does it not? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. I know. I'm looking at your faces right now. I can tell. I look at y'all. Like that. Y'all look like you're tired. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, following God is not always giving you the, the attaboys. You're not always getting the thing at the end. Sometimes you're just serving God and trusting in faith he's coming through for you. But I'm telling you, though, there's a season that's coming. Th- there's a season that is coming. So you've got to be faithful in the dry season. So that God can bless you in the harvest. And whatever that might be for you, I don't know, but I just feel like just saying that to some of us in this room right now to hear this. Don't get weary in well doing, which tells me this narrow is the path of righteousness, broad is the gateway to hell. So, what does it tell you? It's easier to live for the devil than it is for God. But don't you quit, don't you get weary. Because due season's coming. But you got to believe it. You got to actually believe that right now. You got to let that just sink in your heart for a minute, that in due season, no, he's going to come through for you. Whatever that is, he's going to come through for you in Jesus' name. So this morning, that's what I want to pray for you right now. Don't be like Jonah. Listen, if you maybe God sends you to a Nineveh in a individual or a person or whatever, and God delivers them, but you're like, well, wait. Why is he not delivering me? I led you to Christ. What? How is he blessing you but not me? Hey, don't get weary. Just be faithful to what God called you into and then watch him do what he's going to do in your life. Nineveh changed their ways later on. But you be faithful. Trust in the Lord and his righteousness. If everybody else runs the other direction, you trust God. Be faithful for your, for your kids' sake so they see faithfulness in the home. Be faithful to God for the people around you, see? Because in years later, they'll come to Christ based on watching you. And that's not a a pressure thing. That's a saying, just relax. Be faithful to God. Trust him. Trust him right now. Due season's coming. Due season's coming. Due season is coming. So this morning, I'm going to pray for you over that particular thing. I don't know why. I just really felt led this morning to say, if some of you in here, you needed to hear that right now right? Some of you watching online right now at home, you need to hear that right now. Due season's coming. So let me pray for you in this morning, right now for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray for every person in this room right now. God, they've been serving. They've been faithful. They have, uh, God, been honoring you with their lives for years. Maybe, God, they've been through a hard spot in their life. Maybe they've been through a difficult season. Maybe they've I trust you for something pray for something ask you for something lord and and was trusting you for wisdom on an answer to a certain thing And it hadn't happened yet god. I pray in the name of jesus First of all god that you give strength to the to the weak God you say you give power to the faint So I pray in the name of jesus right now that you give strength to those in here that might feel weak I pray that you give strength to those in here that might feel a little bit fainted right now today in jesus name I pray that you lord would give answers lord And reaffirm to people this morning, God, that they can trust you with their lives. Because in due season, we know, Lord, that we shall reap if we faint not. God, I pray for us right now. Instill faith inside of people's hearts again, Lord. Maybe there's somebody here, they've been praying for somebody in their family, their loved one, they've been praying for to come to Christ and they haven't done it yet. I pray in Jesus' name that they would not give up hope right now. That they would continue steadfastly in praying for that loved one In Jesus' mighty name. Maybe it's a business deal, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a son or a daughter or whatever it is. In the name of Jesus, I just pray, God, you just reinstill in them today again a strength of faith to stay steadfast in times of adversity. God, and I pray today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to Christ right now. We pray this prayer with your eyes closed, no one looking around right now. We pray this for every week. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, You just simply turn your heart to the Lord and and pray this prayer with me right now. Just say, dear Jesus, let's pray this with the whole church. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart. I give you my life and I give you my soul. I ask you, Lord, to be my savior. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. Amen and amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Would you give me a hand right now? Amen. Let them know. If you're online watching right now or you're in this room, either way, um, at connect.cornerstonerealm.com is a great place to go for information about our church and to help you get started walking with God. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.